Well, good evening. Let me add my welcome to that of uh, Paul's earlier on. My name's uh, David. I'm the student worker here at Christchurch. It's great to have you here with us uh, tonight, especially if you're visiting, invited along by friends. Really good uh, you could make it along uh, to be with us tonight. Well, we're coming into the home streets, aren't we, in the lead up to Christmas, especially, I think, if you're a student. Uh, lectures are almost finished. Exams, if you've had them, almost done. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, for all of us, uh, is uh, shopping finished? Getting ready to relax? Or is shopping not even started? Uh, still feel like you're running flat out? And it will be that way until Christmas Eve? Uh, as soon as I begin to slow down at this time of year, I, I usually start to think about what's going on, what's gone on in the past year. And we're coming to the end of 2008. I wonder, what were some of the big moments for you? Uh, do you remember some of the breaking news uh, there was, maybe on TV, some stuff that caught your attention? And uh, Was there a big issue? Uh, the human interest, an iconic image that seemed to sum it all up. Uh, Was it perhaps big sports? Do you you remember the Bird's Nest Stadium at the Beijing Olympics? The spectacular opening ceremony? Rebecca Adlington winning swimming gold? The heartwarming image of her smiling face? Or Chris Hoy uh, winning cycling gold? And the slightly unnerving image of those huge thighs? Do you remember those? Or perhaps it was big business over the past year. And we won't forget quickly, will we, the pictures of worried-looking bankers as we all began to realize that the credit crunch was uh, a little bit more serious than we thought. Uh, The human interest in that story is still unfolding, isn't it? Uh, Lost homes, uh, lost jobs, lost savings. Or perhaps for you, the standout moment of the year was to do with big government. Barack Obama becoming the first black president of the United States. Uh, The human interest is all over that story. And not just for the people who voted for him, who are holding on to all his promises of change, uh, but also, if you listen to the news at the time, for his daughters who are holding on to Dad's promise of a new puppy to take with them to the White House. Now, what has been the breaking news that's caught your attention uh, this year? And what makes for a good news item when you see it? Is it the big issue? Is it the human interest element of it? Is it the iconic image that seems to sum it up? Because if it is, then Luke, uh, whose book we've read uh, just a small part of uh, just before there, wants to submit two other stories for us. I think they'll probably come up on the screen in a moment. He, He says, here's two stories that it would be worth considering before this year has run its course. I don't know if you spotted as Stuart read them to us, but there are similarities in the two stories. Uh, They contain a a global issue, there's human interest, and there is an iconic image right at the end of them. Uh, It's got everything you need for breaking news. Uh, We can think of the headlines at the end, uh, but just take a look at the first story. Uh, The big issue, well, it's big government. And it's big government doing what big government always does, issuing decrees. Uh, There's a policy statement from the top man of the day, Caesar Augustus. He wants a census taken of the entire Roman world. For anyone who's anyone then, the Roman world was the world. Uh, This is global news. 
the human interest in this story? Well, it affects everyone. The census is organized such that everyone has to register in their town of birth. A look for the sake of a good story focuses in on one young couple, Joseph and Mary. At the time, they're pledged to be married. They live in the north, but Joseph's from Bethlehem in the south. Like, like any Christmas, there's a lot of traveling to be done. And Mary's pregnant. It's an inconvenient journey, to say the least. And the image that will become iconic, well, it's the days before cameras, but Luke gives us a snapshot. It's in verses 6 and 7. And we read this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. If you know the Christmas story, you've heard it loads, haven't you? It doesn't make any impact on you. But when you stop to think about it, it's a shocking picture, isn't it? It's actually the kind of front page item that makes you want to read the whole of the story. It has a feel, doesn't it, of a first century equivalent of a a kind of Haringey social services scandal. A young couple, the helpless victims of big government, baby Jay, born in a stable and left lying in an animal's feeding trough. Uh, You can imagine that photograph splashed around. And you can imagine the headlines, can't you? Oh, the sun. Caesar's policy going Christmas crackers. Or the mirror, bungling Bethlehem bureaucrats leave baby born in barn. And of course, the Financial Times, unexpected tourist boom, recovery predicted in property prices. (laughs) We need big government, don't we? Now, they're good. But don't you sometimes feel it's, it's the little people that get forgotten in all of the policy changes? Uh, The individuals are lost in the plans of big government. It's hard, isn't it? You can't expect government to keep an eye on everyone, but you spot it here, even in the way Luke records this decree. He said a bit earlier on, a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It feels more empire than people, doesn't it? Structures more than individuals. It's often the way our world works individuals end up getting lost. Our significance as people seems to be regarded as limited compared with the plans of corporations and companies and countries. It's often the way, though, isn't it, with good news items. They just don't turn out to be good news items. Well, leave the story of the baby in the barn for a moment and just come with me on to Luke's second story. Because that's where he moves next. In verses 8 to 16 that Stuart read for us earlier. And the big issue here, well, it's big government again, if looks to be believed. And it's actually big government doing what big government always does. Issuing decrees. But it's not just the top man of the day. And it's, it's not just to do with the Roman world. Shepherds out in a field, we've heard about it, we've sung about it. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. We're talking about God here. 
more accurately, we're, we're actually listening to God here. And look, can I say, for those of you who think you're, you're just far too down to earth, too rational to be taken in by stories of angels, well, these shepherds would have been the kind of tough, hard-working, no-nonsense, rational blokes that weren't easily duped. When these guys said they saw angels, you'd be brave to tell them they were fooled. Now, these guys were convinced, and they deserved to be taken seriously. An angel is, was really God's messenger, spokesperson, press secretary, I, I guess. So through the angel, we're listening to the one who made the world. See, his government is over every other government. And so when he makes decrees, it'll affect everyone. Oh, you ask what his decree was? Well, it was there in verse 11 in our reading. The angel said this, Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Is that newsworthy? Well, where's the human interest? Well, the human interest is it's all over this story. And it actually feels a little different, don't you think? It's not just that it affects individuals the way the first story did. This decree actually feels more personal. You see that at the end of verse 10? Uh, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And it's not just people in general, but actually people individually. You see the way this angel speaks to these shepherds? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. A saviour has been born to you. You almost feel, don't you, that they'd have said the same thing if you'd been standing there. A saviour has been born to you. See, this doesn't seem to be a decree that ever loses sight of individuals. It even notices shepherds on a hillside trying to keep warm. Well, like any Christmas, there'll be travelling to be done, but this one doesn't feel inconvenient anymore, does it? They seem excited as they hurry off, and, and the human interest doesn't actually stop there. Now, there's more. It comes right at the end of verse 11, and it's all to do with who this baby is. Now, the angel says... He is Christ the Lord. That word Christ, well, that just means God's appointed king, but he's Christ the Lord. Well, well, the angel was the angel of the Lord. And the Lord was God. So you understand what the angel's telling us? This baby, the one who is born, the Lord... He's God. Somehow that first Christmas, God, the Lord, became a human. See, his Christmas journey was much further than the shepherds. And much further than Mary and Joseph, much further than you or I will travel. I heard an atheist talking on TV earlier uh, last month uh, saying the trouble with Christianity is that it's just a matter of faith 
It's not based on any kind of evidence. You can't in any reasonable way weigh up the evidence for God. Well, see, this journey that Luke records contradicts that thinking. See, because the Creator has travelled into his creation. Uh, Travelling to place himself where people could keep their eye on him. But more wonderful than that, on his journey, he was always keeping an eye on people. Mary and Joseph. Shepherds on a hillside. And if he can do that with them, then you can be sure he can do that with you. A student's about to travel home. A, a teenager's hanging around at parties under mistletoe. A newlyweds looking forward to your first Christmas together at home. And all the rest. Families who sit at hospital bedsides this Christmas. Widowers who feel no embarrassment at showing with tears once more that you still miss your true love at Christmas. God keeps an eye on people. Now, Christmas is the ultimate human interest story. Now, God's interest in people generally and individuals like you and me specifically. Doesn't that make you feel funny? That God knows you? Sees you? Uh, there are some so- stories, aren't they, that, that just get us. The headlines grab us. You want to hear a little bit more? You might be here tonight and you kind of feel it's your, your church outing for the year. You always do this. You make it along to, Chris, uh, to church for a carol service. Or, or maybe it's your, your Christian friends out of nothing more than English politeness. What a wonderful thing, English politeness. Out of nothing more than that, you find yourself against your better judgment in a church at their invitation. It's great you've come. That's you. You might be sitting there and you're thinking, you're, you're not a Christian. You, you don't think you believe. You, you've not got time to consider it again, really. Doesn't this story grab you a little? God taking this kind of interest in you? Perhaps you think, well, this is the last thing that I need God trying to run my life. Well, look, if this is true, which it is, He is Christ the Lord. He is in charge. God is big government. You need to get used to that. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because if he is the creator, he can't be anything less than big government. It's just that while he's never less than the Lord, Luke wants to show us he's always more. You see what else the angels tell the shepherds in verse 11? Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Caesar Augustus, well, he passed out his decree. It didn't inconvenience him at all. He makes people do all the moving for him. Did you notice that? But when this God issues his decree, he's really the one doing the moving. He's Christ the Lord. But he came to save people. The rest of the Bible will will fill out just what that means, explaining the reason why the world is the way it is, why even at the happiest times of years, many people struggle to get on with each other. 
Why, for all the good things we do, we often depress ourselves by not even living up to our own standards. Why the world is full of questions about suffering. Why the massacres in Mumbai. Why the earthquakes and the floods. Where is God in all of this? Why do these things happen? The Bible says the issue of the, the heart of the world's problems is that people reject God. He made us, actually, to care for his good world under his good government. But instead, we ignore and reject him. Always wanting to do our own thing. It's a terrible thing. And the consequences are our lives just don't work right. The world we were meant to look after and enjoy has become frustrated. It doesn't work properly. We may be the victims of some things. But together we're also the guilty ones. And the Bible explains that God has a plan to one day sort this world out. He'll remake creation. It'll work properly. You know, fixing some things is easy, isn't it? Some of you will discover that on Christmas morning. You'll open a present. A part won't be fitted. And you'll be able to fix it. No problem at all. Fixing people is a little bit trickier, isn't it? Some of you will know about that as well on Christmas Day. Families and friendships that just don't function the way you want them to. So how can God fix broken people who are also guilty people? How can God maintain justice not ignore the things we've done wrong and at the same time answer our question if you're real why won't you fix things why won't you fix me God Christ the Lord has come to be your saviour they come to provide guilty people with forgiveness See, his journey didn't end at Bethlehem. He travelled on. His really was an inconvenient Christmas journey. He took this king, the one who is big government, all the way to a cross outside a city where he was nailed up. And that really was breaking news for all the world to see. See, his death taking the the punishment for what we've done wrong so that when he comes to fix this world up, he can fix up guilty people that he's forgiven to. You see, Christmas really is the ultimate human interest story. It's kind of popular thinking now, isn't it? Uh, If you want to have a life that's full, to be really you, then we need to limit the involvement of big government in our lives. Uh, Christmas says it's the other way around. You should really want the involvement of God's big government. If you really want to be you, if you really want to find life, you should really want the involvement of God's big government. See, do you sometimes feel that the little people are forgotten? That individuals are lost in the plans of big government? Well, not with God. See, the plans of his government never lose sight of you. And his plans are always to save people who trust him. And the iconic image in this story? Well, funnily enough, it's the same one as our first story. The angels give us a snapshot this time in verse 12. And they say this to the shepherds, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And we're back in the stable. Now, just like that first story with Mary, Joseph, and the baby. But the only thing is, though, is you look at the picture now, it's not so much a shocking birth, the result of thoughtless government. It's changed, hasn't it? It's something different. It's, well, it's a reassuring birth. An unexpected sign to reassure that big government is working. Even in all the mess and inconvenience of life. And God has given us a sign at Christmas. That even in what looks like a mess and a disaster, he can begin his plans to save you. Even as you might have thought about him, that, even, that if he exists, he doesn't know how tough it is in this world. And then you see him, placing himself before you in a stinking animal trough. See, I'm not sure what the headline would be, but it should say something about uh, this God's control and this God's care. God's control, you, you noticed, didn't you? Because even as Caesar is passing decrees that inconvenience people, that leave babies being born where they shouldn't be, standing behind all of it, God works out his plans to save people. So that even the worst that selfish people do will ultimately end up only serving God's good plans. Do you find that encouraging? See, with all the ups and downs of this fractured world, with all the ups and downs of our own lives, with all the difficulties that you'll face and I'll face in this new year, there is another government always at work, often unnoticed, that we can have confidence in. And God says the one in charge of his government, Jesus, has come for you. And we should trust him. And God's care I heard a program on the radio about talking about our galaxy. And the presenter was saying just how vast it is, incredibly vast. He said something like, if you travelled at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to cross it. And ours is just one of many, many galaxies. We are less than a speck of dust in the universe. Yet Christmas says... The one who made and rules this vast universe notices tiny you so much that he travelled a very inconvenient journey to save you. So I don't think that's meant to emphasise how special we are. I think the size of the universe compared with us is meant to emphasise how incredibly vast God's love is. His love is so huge that not even for a moment would he lose sight of you. That God cares about you. And he says the one in charge of his government, Jesus, has come for you. And you should trust him. Can I just finish by saying what that might mean? And what might it mean if you're here tonight and you're thinking, I don't trust Jesus. I'm not a Christian. What would that mean for me? Well, let me just say very briefly well, it would mean accepting his government for your life accepting who Jesus Christ is that he's God who's come he's the one who is in charge and asking him to forgive you for all that you've done wrong 
Not just the little things day by day with friends and family, but the way you've just lived ignoring him. Because you realize what a shocker it is to live ignoring the one who gives you life itself. Uh, there might be someone here who wants to do that tonight. If that's you, would you, would you at the end of the service perhaps come and chat to Paul who was here at the start or myself. We'll be up at the, the back of church there. And we'd love to explain a little more about what that means. I'll help you with that. Help you understand what it would mean to trust Jesus. But there might be others who are here tonight who are saying, well, actually, I'm just at this stage where I'd like to know more. Can I say that is great? And there's lots of ways you can do that. Again, I'll be at the door and so will Paul. We'll have some of these booklets. Um, Christmas in three words. They just explain a little bit more about Christmas. And there's a little leaflet inside that tells you about some of the things uh, that go on at the church family here to help people find out more about what Jesus and the Christian faith is all about. You can have that for free. If you'd want one of those, please just come and ask me at the end. I'd be happy to give you that. It can be a busy week leading up to Christmas, can't it? A busy couple of weeks with so much to do. It'd be a shame in all the busyness to miss out on a good news item that truly is good news for all the people. Now Christmas says, a saviour has been born to you. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And we should trust him today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm just going to pray a short prayer just now and then we're going to stand and sing our final carol. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message that the angels brought that first Christmas. Not that you'd just come as the Lord, but that's who you are, but that you'd come as Saviour as well. And it's available for all people. I thank you that you don't lose sight of us. And Lord, we pray that this Christmas, maybe for the first time, people would gain a fresh sight of you and put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Again, as the music begins, let's stand together and sing our final carol. <laughs>